Okay, welcome back. My name is Michael Dawson. This is the Action Factory podcast where we talk and see the world through a solution-focused lens. And a very, very happy Monday to you. I say that because you are our ideal listener. We produce these podcasts every week on a Monday morning. You are probably in the care business social worker teacher and it's great on a Monday morning to do this podcast and remind you you've got one of the greatest jobs in the world going into work and helping people and that's really what we're all about. So uh, my name is Michael Dawson and as promised I said we would talk about 10 things on this episode that we need to discuss if you are thinking of taking the solution focused approach with your line of work but I lied Don't worry, you can skip to the next episode if you like. But I thought what we needed to do first was kind of talk about what I see solution-focused therapy being about, where it came from, and give some background there. I think that makes more sense. Please feel free, if you know about solution-focused therapy, to move to the next episode. That is not a problem at all. It's interesting that these days I I constantly question the word therapy as it infers a cure. And um, I find there's a bit of a conflict there with solution-focused therapy because um, I I feel it's more of a hands-off approach and I have no right whatsoever to make a judgment about what is wrong with you and what that problem might be. And I made up a little story to illustrate that point. It was about three therapists and a client and uh, they were all out for a walk in the countryside and um, they come to a road, a very quiet, calm, tarmac single track road you may find anywhere in the country and the therapist goes across the road and the client stops dead in his tracks and he says I can't go across that road, it's a river. So the therapists stop and say oh um, no, no, it's it, it's a road. It's perfectly safe. There's no traffic coming. No, it's a raging river. I cannot go across that road. So the um, perhaps the CBT therapist then says, well, okay, let's kind of work on how we can get you to cross the road and let's see if we can find some tactics to prove to you that it's perfectly safe to cross the road. And then the counsellor says, well, hang on a minute, let's sit down and let's work this out. Let's talk about when was the first time that you thought a road was a raging river? Has it happened before? Do you know where that may have come from? And then the solution-focused therapist piped up and he said, let's walk up the road a little bit. I can see a bridge and we'll all cross at the bridge. And that will kind of solve the problem. So they all cross the bridge, including the client, and they carry on on their way. And I know that the criticisms that come from the CBT therapist and the counsellor and many, many others is that we've not addressed the real problem here. And the solution-focused therapist can now see that we are moving forward and we are keeping moving, we have achieved something. And we did that by not challenging the client's perspective of the world. That story for me, I think, kind of illustrates the beauty of solution-focused therapy. (laughs) Okay, Uh, again, I don't like that word therapy, but we're going to leave it in there. That's what everybody calls it. Um, I'm going to eliminate it from my vocabulary. 
Okay, um, we know about the history of, you know, the lunatic asylums and lobotomies and, and, and the horror of those things, both real and imagined, from films and real life. That was the early days of dealing with what might be termed kind of mental health issues. And then talking therapy came along and there became a deeper kind of understanding of mental health issues and the world that people who, who were having mental health problems were living in. Bear in mind, my perspective of a mental health issue is the same as someone with a health issue, physical health. It is the same. We all have days where we don't feel so fit as other days. We all have times when we've been training, we've been to the gym and we're feeling super fit. That applies to mental health as well. And you can have bad mental health for any period of time and super mental health for other periods of time. So originally the talking therapies, 50s, 60s, were around the teachings and notable influences of people like Jung and Freud. And this is where clients were diagnosed, uh, past trauma was trawled over, family relationships, parent relationship, deep causation to be rooted out. And there was always the idea of a cure, and the cure would generally be a long and painful process. Now, I know from hypnotherapy uh, and my hypnotherapy training, we have a bit of an in-joke there that sometimes people can get locked in trance, and we usually tell them that that's fine because we charge by the hour. <laughs> and it was a similar thing, a similar thing in those kind of days. These were long and expensive processes. Later on came a guy called Milton Erickson. He was a hypnotist, uh, a legendary man. He dealt in hypnosis both um, in deep sleep and in waking state. And um, in his early days, he had polio and he sat on his front porch and he was actually paralysed. He couldn't walk and he was sat in a rocking chair and he was watching his sisters play in the fields and he wished he could be with them. And he was kind of lost in that reverie. And as he did so, he felt his chair slightly rocking and he realised that something in his mind could give him the ability to make his legs work again. And so, of course, he did end up um, being able to walk again. He had an approach to solving problems that was different. He felt that it could be simple and fast and way, way miles away from the idea of an actual diagnosis and to allow the solution to flow from the client. And he used suggestion and used very, very definite language. He switched angles. He would come at clients from very, very different ways. He would say to them, tell me what you do to keep this problem. If you were to take a holiday from your problem, how could I help? And he would, um, he would challenge clients in a very, very uh, revolutionary way and be deliberately vague, something I know and use both in my practice and in hypnotherapy, because you've got to give the client their own mind to determine what the problem is and which kind of frame it fits into. And that's why we use phrases like, perhaps um, if the reason we are here today didn't exist, it's not for me to say if you were not alcoholic, etc., etc., because that's the frame that I'm putting it in 
and I want them to put that in their own frame. Anybody that knows or works in solution-focused therapy will love reading some of the work and stories um, of um, Milton, er Milton Erickson. Absolutely amazing stuff. Then along came Richard Bandler. He was a computer programmer and John Grinder, who was a linguist, and they developed something called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And what they did was studied success, not problems. Yeah. And what they did was also be quite vague in their workings. Again, just like in the hyp hypnotherapy kind of way. So the client can decide on a problem and they can also decide on a solution. And NLP works around different modalities and frames and works around the stories that we tell ourselves. So there's a great connection there between these um, different ideas that came along that led us to finally appear with what we now know and call the solution focus model, which has been around for many, many years. Two people, Imsu Kimberg and Steve DeShazer, Brief Therapy Centre Milwaukee. And they did studies to find out, um, studying therapists, thousands of them, to find out what the successful ones were doing different than the others. And they started to put this stuff into some data and found that successful therapists, people working with clients who had problems, were looking for exceptions. They were finding times when the problem didn't happen. A time when you didn't drink too much. A time when you took just less drugs or weren't as depressed. And they were also the kinds of people who I describe in my training, uh, who come into our rooms many, many times, they just were solution focused. They had never been trained. They were good at finding client resources. They were the kinds of people who we talk to and just feel damn well better about the problem after we've spoken to them. And you know who these people are. You may be one of them. And they used an imagined future. And we do that with Solution Focus with the medical question. It takes us into the future. It tells us about a time when the problem isn't happening. And it's empowering for the client. And something else that became revolutionary is the client is the expert. Okay. And I often joke at the beginning of my training when I say it's really easy to solve other people's problems. Because it is. And I, I say that with a tongue in cheek. You know, we hear about someone else. If, you, if you're drinking too much... Just don't drink. If you are depressed, then cheer up. And we know that they don't live in the same paradigm as we do. They don't live in the same world as we do. And therefore, we have to let the client be. Let the client be the expert. Change is inevitable. It's just about which direction it goes. So we say to our students, you are the curious inquisitor. Keep poking around. Keep um, challenging yeah, and, 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 and try and resist offering solutions to your client. Simply question. And often I find solution-focused therapy is very mischievous and it, and it can be silly and ask, you know, silly questions. And you find that when you get into our kind of training. And we make assumptions about our clients that they've got the resources and the power and everything else they need to make change, that it doesn't have to be a 100% change tomorrow. They can get closer to the life that they want. I think solution-focused therapy is about questions, not answers. It's about the questions we constantly ask. 
to try and get into the world of the client. I don't want to get there to make an analysis or to um, prescribe something. I want to get there as the curious inquisitor, poking and probing and never stopping until suddenly um, the client will find a solution that works for them. And solution-focused therapy as a model has 83% success rates with incredible problems like bulimia and drug abuse, alcoholism, families. I know that because I've worked with it myself. So that's a pretty much rough rundown of solution-focused therapy and how exciting it is um, to work with your clients. And as I say, it's Monday morning, you're traveling to work probably, and you have got the greatest job in the world. And I believe it doesn't matter what you do. If you are involved with people, then if we take the word therapy out of this, it will not cut and paste into your working life because you are not in a therapy room. And so it, we take it into your workplace. And that's what this podcast is all about. That's what our training is all about. It's about helping you take some of these solution-focused tools and use them in your workplace, um, doing the most incredible job that anyone could do. So I was chatting to uh, someone many, many years ago now who was into kind of CBT and I said, yeah, I specialize in solution-focused brief therapy. And she said, oh, it's rather cultish, that, isn't it? And I was kind of taken aback. And then I said, hmm, yes, yes, I think it is a little bit cultish because you own it. I'm passionate about solution-focused therapy. I've helped so many people with insurmountable problems. Um, so... There we go. That's a background, an idea about solution-focused therapy itself. I hope if you've never used it or been involved in it before, that you just love the excitement and idea of being able to apply that with your clients. And that's what this podcast is about. And if that's the way you're thinking, then I promise you next week in the next episode, we're going to talk about 10 things that you may want to think about before you go down that route, because you are not a therapist. We don't want to make you a therapist. We want to not, not make you a therapist. Thanks for listening. My name is Michael Dawson. This has been the Action Factory podcast. I'll see you in the next episode. Happy Monday.